0: Is it because we're Irish that even when the sun is shining and the bunting is flying, we're drawn to the man with the sad story? There are plenty of other stories at the regatta today, like the one about the woman who moved to church and the team that won a priest. But it's the bit of tragedy that catches our ears. The sun was shining on Loch County Fermanagh. The bunting was flying over the yachts and steamboats of the regatta at Crom Castle, And the man with the sad story was walking towards the old boathouse built by the landlords.
1: It's a wonderful building in a beautifully landscape setting created here in the 1840s.
0: This is Terence Reeves-Smith of the Northern Ireland Environment Agency. Back down at the regatta on the lakeshore, Paul Loudon-Brown is putting up Lord Erne's flag on the Duke of Abercorn's motor
1: yacht. Seeing the fleet coming towards me... And the entire breadth of Trial Bay covered in canvas is, is a dream come true.
0: The current Lord Erne's son, John Viscount Crichton, is up at the castle which overlooks the lake. The family really only came to Crum uh, during the summer months uh, to sail. I mean, it was the hub of uh, the social scene and people would come from all over the world, United Kingdom, to stay with the family. This part of the world is Sean Quinn country. Glass, cement, insurance and windmills on nearby Sleeve Russell which look down on the classic yachts racing on the lake. The yachts of the old Anglo-Irish being looked down on by the windmills of the new Anglo-Irish, so to speak and the same wind moving them. Stories will be told about the Quinn era here but hardly any like the one about the landlady's row with the church. The manager of the castle, Noel Johnson.
1: Lord Eyre's family had a, had a row or fallen out with the, the Bishop of Clougher and the third earl's wife decided she wanted to build her own church. So she built it across in Derevoe, so it meant that it came under the control of the Bishop of Kilmore.
0: Did the Bishop of Clougher go to her funeral, I wonder? He probably did, to make sure she was dead. <laughs> <laughs> this part of Loch had nine main Anglo-Irish families around it. While other aristocratic families competed with each other on horseback, the speciality here was yachting. They went to the US for new and better designs and employed the best and fastest crews.
1: So important was it that even the Kaiser, the German Kaiser, would ask, what's the latest development at Crumb? This boat was built in
0: 1908. Oh, they're just beautiful to sail. They just glide through the water. Lovely. Gentle, fresh. Just a lovely lady. And we had two particular other families that we sailed against incredibly competitively, which was the Sarnesons and, of course, the Massey Beresfords. They took it so seriously that for one race, Lord Earn made his team a remarkable promise.
1: He promised um, one of the Goodens, who was his boat-building family at Crom, that if they won the race for him, that he would grant anything they wanted.
0: Author of Local Histories, Vicky Herbert.
1: The Crom team did win the race in this particular year, and they were all expecting Pat Gooden to ask for something like raised wages or a new cottage or something like that. The Gooden family asked for a local parish priest, who was called Father James Clark, to be reinstated because he had married a Protestant lady and the Catholic lad, which was uh, against the law in the penal times. And so he had to escape to America. And Lord Erne was able to pull a few strings and Father Clark came back from America and he was reinstated. And the proof of that is that there is a big plaque in the church
0: The annual regatta at Crom came in the season just after the Dublin horse show. And it was that way right up until the beginning of the last century. Back up at the boathouse, Terence Reeves-Smith of the Northern Ireland Environment Agency is inside looking at nothing, an emptiness.
1: When I came here in 1987, when I was doing work for National Trust here, There were stacks of boats, canoes, all the way up here, kinker boats. And it was sort of a sad sight, I felt, because they had all been stacked up in 1913, ready for the 1914 season. And here they all still were, sitting here in the yacht house, waiting for a season that never came, because all around the lock during the Great War, 1914 to 1918, all the families lost sons, and a whole generation was wiped out. It was the end of an era, not just for those families, not just for Fermanagh, but also for the Yacht Club itself. And so when I looked at these boats, all stacked up here, I, f- I felt a sort of sense of melancholy, as it were. It was an image... It was a sad image, and it was an image of a lost world. And it was something... I'm sorry, in a sense, I'm sad. That it's empty now. It's a sort of empty space. But it was an end of an era. It was a picture of the end of an era. And it had somehow survived until the 1980s.
0: With the outbreak of uh, World War One in 1914, a lot of the family members and those that we sailed against would have gone off to war. It could have been uncles, you know, uh, sons, nephews, etc. Sadly, um, as we all know, a lot of people didn't come back from the First World War. and I think that was the beginning of the end of, you know, the good house, weekend, family, summer
1: tradition. So the Great War was really the end, and it was very definitely an end here. And after that, of course, the Earl of Earn here was killed in the Great War. And his son was only a minor at that time. So the whole of this estate, this domain, as it were, was put into the hands of trustees. And that went on until the, the young Earl of Erne became old enough in the 1930s to take it over. And then, unfortunately, he was killed in Dunkirk. And so the whole domain then was put into the hands of trustees yet again. And in the 1940s, this place was nearly sold to the Department of Agriculture, because they, the estate, the, the trustees felt that they couldn't maintain a huge house like this anymore. And many other domains in Ireland, not just in the north, were being given to the Forest Service or the Forest Commission uh, for a very small fee, and the houses were being demolished. And this was going to happen here in 1948, and everything would have been covered in conifer trees, and the castle would have been flattened. But it wasn't for the intervention of Lord Erne's mother in 1948 that that was stopped. And so fortunately, when the present Lord Arne took over in 1957, he inherited a domain which was more or less intact. Indeed, it's one of the finest examples of what we call a picturesque style, gilpin style domain in the whole of the British Isles, not just in Ireland. So it's extremely important from the point of view of landscape gardening.
0: But the Great War didn't cut the ascendancy down in its prime. The Anglo-Irish were already living on loans and government bailouts
1: because the Great War was very much the end or the the heyday of the Irish ascendancy, the end of a social era. The social contact with the church, for example, with the yachting, with the steamers, it all vanished. So it was a very pronounced end to a social era that was coming to an end anyway.
0: So the war was really a coup de grace.
1: The, The war was a complete... The First World War, the Great War, was a coup de grace for the ascendancy in Ireland and very much for the ascendancy... Ryan locker and absolutely it killed it it removed all the whole new generation would disappeared
0: down at the jetty the duke of abercorn's yacht is about to leave taking lord Erne's party out to view the races the group includes lady rose Crichton, who grew up at Crom. it's thrilling to see crumb brought back to life like this Um i think it's just lovely The Crom Annual Regatta is a great day out, but no one's kidding themselves about the Anglo Irish Empire that it commemorates. It isn't possible for families like ours to keep a place like this anymore. We move on.